Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is the Back Porch Writer Podcast, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. It's live, fun, and informative. Each week, I chat with writers, editors, and industry pros to give you and me a heads up about this whole new awesome publishing world. Back Porch Writer is about creating the life that you want through writing and publishing. Are you ready to tap submit? Let's explore the possibilities together. Welcome to Back Porch Writer. Welcome to Back Porch Writer, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. I'm your host, Corey Miller. Today is April 26, 2016, and let me just tell you, it's a little breezy outside. I think we're expecting some storms or something later, so that should be very interesting. But since it's not happening now, it's not going to interrupt the flow of the show. So that's, you know, the upside. There you go. Always an upside. Today, we're talking with Larry Lucart about writing historical fiction, and his debut novel is Throw Salt on the Water. So without further ado, let me bring Larry to the program. Welcome to Back Porch Writer, Larry. Well, thank you very much for having me, Corey. I appreciate it. Well, I'm glad you were able to come back. I know that we had to get you rescheduled because of some unfortunate things on my end uh, last time you were on. So I want to dive a little deeper into some of the things that we were trying to talk about then. But before we do that, let's start with uh, a little bit about who you are and the book that you've written. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm a retired Missouri State Trooper. I've always been interested in historical fiction, particularly Civil War history. And so I decided to write this book based on that idea. And uh, so that's how it it developed. Uh, I have some some experience with, uh, with history, having been a history and political science major in school and college. And then I've been a history, uh, Civil War history, and an American history uh, buff ever since. So um, that's how we got started with the idea of of writing a book about historical fiction. Mm-hmm. And your book, Throw Salt on the Water, what what exactly is it about? The book is about two boys, um, Andrew, who lives in Ohio and Tug, who lives in Virginia, which at that time bordered the Ohio River before the uh, creation of, in 1863, of West Virginia. So the entire uh, state of Virginia came all the way from the Atlantic Ocean all the way over to the Ohio River. And uh, these two boys are friends. They grew up together, enjoyed fishing and all of the things that young boys do, and uh, particularly centered around around the river. In early 1861, of course, as the war clouds loom, these boys have to make decisions about what they're going to do as far as the war is concerned. They're teenagers, 17, 18 years old, trying to understand what 
this might mean not only for them personally, but also for their friendship. Mm-hmm. Now, you said you're particularly interested in this period of time, but why? I mean, you could choose anything. You know a lot about history. So what attracted you to the Civil War period? I find the Civil War to be one of the most pivotal events in our American history, maybe second only to the creation of the nation itself through the formation of the of the Constitution and the and the Bill of Rights. This war was predicted, interestingly enough, by a number of the founders when they were trying to create our country because they left out the problem of of the slavery issue in the Constitution. And it remained from the time that the Constitution was written until the war broke out in 1861 as sort of a undertow in our society. The northern northern states were primarily uh, abolitionist, and the southern states, of course, were slavery. And the southern states believed that the north was trying to, to destroy their economy, which then created their desire to um, not have that happen. Furthermore, the south also believed that the North was trying to impose upon them their ideas of what a democratic country should really be about. And so they rebelled against that idea, along with the idea of losing their economy through the uh, removal of slavery. So I've always found the Civil War to be a very interesting and very complex topic. And it's something that I believe carries on all the way into probably the final event was in 1965 with the with the passage of the Civil Rights Act, which began then to finally say that any kind of discrimination was illegal in America. So it it carried on for another hundred years after the end of the war. Mm-hmm. Took a long time, actually. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. It took a very long time. Um, I had an interesting experience yesterday. I was substitute teaching, and actually it extended from a conversation on Friday. But one of the young people in my class asked, we were talking about, it was a religion class, and we were talking about the Beatitudes. And one of the Beatitudes has to do with being a peacemaker. And so I mentioned that I'm a pacifist. And, And they weren't sure what that meant, so I had them look it up. And then one of the students said, well, well, wait a minute, you know, because having wars, that can help economically, and that can be a good thing. And, and so he was going down that path. So what, as a histor- history person, someone who has studied history extensively, much more than I have, what's your take on all that when it comes to wars and, and economy? Do you see that, is, it, is that it? That's the purpose, I mean, of the wars? Because that's where he was coming from. That's what he thought. He thought that wars, if I understand your wars, question correctly, he thought that wars were were economic, that that we have wars to to boost our economy. Is that what he thought? Yes. Is, is that correct? Yes. That's pretty much. No, what I don't thinking. agree with that at all. I think 
particularly Americans, do not fight wars to boost our economy. We fight wars for principle, for freedom, for liberty. We, we don't do a war to improve our economy. Now, having said that, we all understand that defense contractors and cetera and so on in our country benefit from the idea of having a large army and a war that goes on because they can replace those things, etc. and so on. But in principle and in, in, in behavior, I do not believe that Americans fight wars for economy. We fight wars for, for uh, freedom of others, to free others. A mm-hmm. American general was in France at the end of World War II, and a French general said to him, we believe that you are imperialist, you're trying to take over our country. And he said, no, the only thing the Americans have ever asked for is enough ground on which to bury our dead. And I believe that holds true today, even with the problems that we're having in the Middle East, etc., and so on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate that, because I'm probably going to have him listen to this show <laughs> so he could hear okay. it from a history person <laughs> instead of me. We couldn't get into it in a, in a whole lot of detail, because, of course, we were in a different class, not a history class. Sure. And so I could not address it a whole lot. And I thought, hey, I'm talking to somebody who knows a thing or two about history. <laughs> I'll ask him what he thinks. <laughs> Okay, well, you're welcome. I hope it helps. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now I can point them in the direction of where they can listen to the show because the the thing about the kids is, especially this was a sixth grader, especially the sixth graders, they did a little bit of research about me before I came to Substitute Teach because they knew I'm an author. And so they were curious about the podcasting too. And, And my podcasting is clean so they can listen to it. So I can point him in the direction of this episode and say, hey, go check that out. This is what this history person said. Okay. <laughs> and that will be okay. helpful, I think, for him. I think that will be good. So, okay, you, you're writing historical fiction, and obviously you have a history background, so maybe, I'm thinking maybe it wasn't as difficult for you as it might be for others, but I could be wrong. So what is involved in writing historical f- fiction? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, because one of the most important parts of writing this book for me was to be accurate in my descriptions of what was going on at that time. So I did a tremendous amount of research as I was writing to make sure that troop movements, um, battle plans, the quotations from generals or Others, if I had them in there, were accurate, trying to make sure that the timeline stayed correct. These uh, two boys uh, end up going to different, different parts of the country, so I followed them. Basically, I put them each in uh, two units that I knew would end up at Gettysburg, which is sort of the culmination of the, of the novel the battle at Gettysburg. But the other, up until from 1861 to 1863, much of the war involved moving around and being 
being in places, and there wasn't, we think of it as being a constant battle, but it wasn't. There was just a few days where they might have a battle, and then there was months sometimes on end where they were, where they didn't have a battle or didn't, didn't do anything. They were maybe off doing something else, like building a fort or some, some mundane thing like that. And so camp life was important also in, in the discussion of what went on with these two boys. So the, to be pointed here, I'm, I'm tried to make the historical part of the book accurate and follow this to the 14th Virginia, which is where Tug goes, and the 25th Ohio, which is where Andrew goes. I tried to make those two things very, very, those two unit movements and their actions very, very accurate. Now, the part that was fun was being able to say, well, it's fiction, so I could create my characters and then work around the work around and work with the historical movements to have a nice story so that along the way you have some romance and you have some other things that happen. You have conflict and, and troop training and all that kind of thing. And my characters then could be a little more robust and not be dry because history has a tendency for most people to be kind of a dry, a dry topic. So I tried not to do that. I tried to make my book uh, interesting in the idea that we have interesting characters. At least I hope so. Mm-hmm. Well, I did notice, um, I looked over on Amazon to see how you were doing review-wise, and you could use a, more reviews, certainly, all of us can, but your reviews that you've received are really good, and you ha- you're at five stars on your book at the moment. Yes, so thank you. Like I appreciate you doing that. Yes, I've been, I've been very pleased also. I wish I had more reviews. I, I agree with you there, but it's very nice to see that that uh, people appreciate the book who have read it. So that's, that's nice. That's very nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I noticed, and I, because I was over there, this is as a, you have it as a paperback. Are there plans to make it as an e-book? I'm honestly frustrated with that uh, issue at this point, uh, Corey. My publisher is, uh, is not very excited about doing e-books, and I'm having a difficult time getting him to understand that that's one of the things that we need to do. Uh, I mm-hmm. wish we could. I don't think it's ever going to happen. So um, in this particular case, I'm afraid that you're going to have to buy the paperback if you want to read the book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I wanted to just touch on that a little bit because I noticed it. Um, North Slope Publications, is that your publisher? Yes, North Slope Publications, that's correct. And uh, I is was this great, a small press? I haven't... Yeah, very small press out of uh, the Colorado Springs, Colorado area. I was very, very pleased that they picked me up as, a, as an author, and uh, they did a wonderful job on producing the book mm-hmm. and creating the book. But they're, because they're a very small press, I think there's only five authors so far in the, in the press, they're fighting that new business plan problem, I'm sure. And, uh, and I also understand from, from the editor that they tried an e-book with another author, and 
it didn't pan out very well, and so now they're a little gun shy on on doing ebooks. So I, at this point, I don't see it happening. Hmm. Interesting. I, I don't want to get too far into the rights and and things like that, but some authors I know do. Um, they have the rights, the print rights that they're with the publisher. They have the print rights, but not necessarily the ebook rights, which would free up the author to do what they want to do. So maybe yeah, that's not um, the case here, but. Yeah, I understand. No, I I um, got myself into a contract that I believe I can't get out of as far as being able to do that. So mm. um, that's just the way it is, you know. Well, for the next one, <laughs> things will be different, okay. I'm sure. Okay, yes, moving on. And, and you're planning on doing the next one, right? Yes, I'm working on a, another novel now. Um I'm not sure. I was asked if I thought a sequel was was in the offering, and I'm not sure. I thought it was up to the public to decide if they wanted to see a second book. And so far, from the reviews, I mean, I know they're small on on Amazon. I've gotten good reviews, so I'm considering a, a follow up novel to this particular to throw salt on the water. I think it. Uh, could be could carry on up through the end of the war and into reconstruction which is another area in the country mm-hmm. that most people don't have very much knowledge about uh, as a matter of fact mm-hmm. even though I'm a history major I don't have that much knowledge about reconstruction it's a period that we don't talk about much in a in America American history it's true that's true um back to the whole researching thing what Exactly what are you doing to research this particular topic, whether it's Civil War or when you go to start studying uh, the Reconstruction period so that you could include that into another book? Well, fortunately, what I have... What resources are access, do you access? Fortunately, I have a good library. So um, I started there with my text that I have here. And then, of course, um, I believe that uh, Shelby Foote's Civil War is a foundation for anyone who wishes to to study the Civil War, and so I used it as a a uh, primary reference, if you will. And then um, I did a lot of research on the internet, which is a wonderful resource today um, compared to what we used to have to do. You know, go to the library and fumble through the file system until you could find something or whatever. I mm-hmm. also purchased quite a few Civil War books while I was while I was writing from very good authors, uh, particularly uh, Michael Sahara. His um, uh, Killer Angels is a tremendous uh, resource for doing research on the Civil War. Gives you a more human viewpoint of what happened. I also have um, the Civil War. Uh, it's a set of volumes that lists the various uh, letters and those kinds of things that that soldiers wrote. So you get to you, you begin to see how they thought and what they thought and how they felt. And those things are important also. 
sometimes becomes difficult in writing uh, history that the emotions disappear out of of the uh, writing and you end up with just cold hard facts and that's no good because our history is people we are as people mm-hmm. we are we make our own history every day and so a lot of those guys and gals wrote uh, a lot of material that's very very good when you're trying to understand what went on emotionally with them during this period um, mm-hmm. Mary Chestnut of course her Civil War writings are are very very important as a southern female you get a, a real feel for what she felt as a woman in this conflict which is something that you know, sometimes is missed, too. Um, Ravone, who becomes Tug's wife eventually in the book, she, I, I did a lot of research on her using Mary Chestnut, getting that feel for how Southern women really felt about what was going on in the war, those kinds of things. So mm-hmm. uh, I have a, about, uh, oh, I don't know, five 600 pages of material that, that I copied and wrote out and also studied battle maps extensively and um, to understand the troop movements. So when I was talking about, well, this unit moved here or that, or this unit moved there, but I got it correct in, in the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you have an opportunity or have you in the, sorry, sorry. have you in the past or have you had an opportunity to visit any of the locations? Yes, I've been to I've been to Gettysburg, and um, anyone who wants to understand the massive conflict, because it's hard to mentally picture 158,000 men fighting each other until you can see the field, and then you begin to get an idea of how extensive it was and how big the battlefield really was at Gettysburg, for example. Uh, I've also been to Antietam, mm-hmm. uh, where, uh, which I, I, I cover briefly in my book. But, um, yes, we, I do try to visit some of the sites. I also covered in this book some of the smaller battles, those that are not, are not really thought of in this war. Ball's Bluff, for example, and uh, another, uh, a couple other ones that, you know, if you got killed there, you were a casualty of the Civil War, even though you kind of, your death kind of got glossed over by the other big battles, or if you were wounded there. But the conflicts for the individual soldier are there in that moment. It isn't even on a battlefield as big as Gettysburg, the individual soldier only sees what's in front of him. He doesn't have the big picture. He doesn't, he doesn't know what the rest of the people are doing, even in his, own, in his own division or his own corps. But what's in front of him is his war. And that, that's how I tried to frame this, tried to bring it down to the individual soldier looking at his war and what it amounted to. 
I don't know if it was mm-hmm. effective how or long, not, but I sure tried. How long did it take you to do the research portion? Um, well, it took me almost three and a half years to write the book, if that gives you okay. some idea. Yeah. My My writing schedule was normally I wrote in the morning and I researched in the afternoon. Um, I write better in the morning when you're when you're fresh and you have an opportunity mm-hmm. to wake up and you can get, you know, you, you get going. And then, as, of course, as we go along in the day, we get a little more mentally tired. And then uh, mm-hmm. in the uh, – so I did that. That was my routine. I didn't write every day, but um, I wrote almost every day for the last two years. Uh, mm-hmm. By the time you revise and – rewrite and do all of those things um it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially from, if you're writing historical fiction yeah yes there there must there must have been some things just in the next minute or so what was what would you say was the most fascinating thing that you learned in doing your research i would i would say the most fascinating thing was the fact that even though the soldiers, the Union Confederate soldiers were fighting one another, they didn't hate one another. That was an, that was interesting for me. The little euphemisms that they used, you know, um, blue bellies for the Union and Oh, the Confederate soldiers were called by the Union uh, butternut soldiers and that sort of thing. Those were more or less jokes. They weren't. They weren't being cynical or nasty. They thought, and each side thought, the other had a point or two. Some of the Union people mm-hmm. believed that the Confederate guys had a a good viewpoint and some of the confederates believed the union had a union soldiers had a good viewpoint so at that level at the level of the privates and and corporals and buck sergeants they didn't they didn't really hate each other i don't think the union and confederate generals hated each other one of the most interesting things is most of them knew each other they mm-hmm. had all been in the union army together previous to the beginning of the war. And so when they stood across the battlefield from one another, they knew each other. And sometimes they knew their mm-hmm. tactics and their and their uh, plans. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I found that to be extremely, extremely interesting. Well, Larry, I want to thank you so much for being with me here on Back Porch Rider. Um, tell everybody really quickly where they can find Throw Salt on the Water. They can get salt, uh, throw salt on the water through Amazon. You can also go to my website, which is Little Cabin Publications, at CenturyLink.com, and find it there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can order it off of my off of my website too. So um, you can also order it through uh, North Slope Publications uh, if you're interested mm-hmm. in in purchasing the book. I want to thank you, Corey, for Mm -hmm. having me today. I appreciate it very, very much. 
Oh, you're welcome. And good luck with the next book. Be sure to keep in touch so I know when that one's coming out. You can come on and tell everybody about the next one. I certainly will do that. Thank you again for having me. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. So be sure to check out his book. It's Throw Salt on the Water over on Amazon.com. And as I said, he could use a little review love. If you're a history buff, go check out the book. It sounds really interesting to me. And I'm not a history buff. I like history, but that's not my thing, really. And I'm interested in this book. So go check it out. It's over on Amazon.com. And, of course, you could also go to his website. But, you know, Amazon, go there. Throw Salt on the Water. That's the name of the book. Thank you so much for joining me here on Back Porch Writer, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. Thanks for listening to Back Porch Writer. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe via iTunes so people just like you can find the show. If you've got comments, questions, or want to be a guest, visit BackPorchWriter.com for details. I'm your host, Corey Miller. Until next time, pull the chair, sit a spell, and write. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.